0: The following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. You have your Bibles this morning. We'll be starting off in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Just like last week, we're going to look in the, the hall of faith at one of the heroes of our faith. Most definitely one of the most prominent figures. Uh, besides Jesus and all of Scripture. Uh, Last week we looked at Noah and how God spoke with him. This week we'll be looking at Moses. Uh, It may be that we'll spend this week and next week talking about several uh, cases in which Moses heard from the Lord specifically. And and I would have to say that in our lives uh, there are moments that we will never, ever forget. Uh, There are times uh, that are embedded in our minds um, the birth of a child, the death of a loved one, maybe an occupation change, uh, maybe an accident, an incident you've been in that's been somewhat life altering or an illness of some sort. Maybe it's been a financial struggle that you've been through. But there are oftentimes moments in our lives, there, there are pictures or images that are embedded in our minds that we never, ever will forget. It could be a beautiful uh, sunrise or a sunset. Uh, For those of you who are early birds, you get up and watch the sun rise sometimes. Some of those that like to sleep in, uh, you'll never experience that. You'll get to see the sunsets. They both have their time and place, and they both have their beauty. But there are also times in our lives, especially in the life of a believer, when we can say, you know, just like we sang in that song a moment ago, surely God was in this place. Surely His presence was here. Because I felt something that I've never felt before. I've heard his voice. He stirred my heart. And he's done something in my life that I never would expect. And so that's what God does to the believer sometimes. Sometimes we get a little complacent. Sometimes we get caught up in a rut. Sometimes we get caught up in our routine. And then God has to shake us up and remind us that he's still with us. His presence is there. For the believer, his presence will never leave us or depart from us. Because His Holy Spirit now lives within us. And when we have an incident like that, when we have an occasion like that, when we hear from the Lord, when we meet with Him, and we go to that place and we know for sure that God has been there, we consider that to be our burning bush experience, which is where we'll be at today. And so the presence of God, it's not something that can be manufactured or orchestrated by man. It's not anything that we can manipulate. But there are certain conditions in our lives that we have to look at that say either God is not going to be with me because of this, or now that I have that obstacle removed out of the way, I can feel God's presence like never, ever before. So we're going to look at Moses and his burning bush situation in just a moment. We'll be going back to Exodus chapter 3. But right now in Hebrews 11... Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. It will begin in Hebrews 11, verse 23. God's Word says that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood Lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we just pray now, Lord God, that you'll speak to us. That your truth, Lord God, would leap off of the pages and into our hearts. You'll change us in ways that we never expected, Lord God. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, if there's anyone here that has never experienced your voice, On a personal level, I pray that today, Lord God, you speak to them like never before. And I pray, Lord God, that what Moses learned on the backside of the wilderness when he had his burning bush experience, Lord God, that we would draw from it the things that we need to apply to our life, Lord God. I ask that you'll speak through me, Lord God, if there's any blockade or any hindrance in my life, Lord God, in which you can't use me, I pray that you'll remove it now. And I pray, Lord God, that for this congregation, we know that your presence is here today, Lord God, because your word clearly says so. We just thank you now for what you're going to do. and We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We can go to Exodus chapter 3 now. Uh, There were many other uh, characters that we could have looked at in the book of Genesis. We looked at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when we kicked off this sermon series of Open our ears, Lord, God speaking to us. Then we looked at Noah uh, right after that, uh, how God spoke to Noah and used him to save mankind through his family and through the building of the ark. We could have looked at Jacob. We could have looked at Joseph. Joseph he spoke to through dreams. Jacob had a dream as well. and That was a song that we just sang about. He was at Bethel. And he says, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. But I wanted to jump into the life of Moses. I want to move on to Exodus. So I want to move on through the Bible all the way to the book of Revelation and show you some examples of how God spoke to people and used them. The title of this message this morning is Hearing God's Calling on Your Life. Moses was 80 years old at the time Exodus chapter 3 took place. He grew up in the land of Egypt uh, under... Uh, the care of Pharaoh he was not an, uh, Moses was not an Egyptian; he was a Hebrew child, but he was brought up by pharaoh 's daughter, and for forty years he lived in the land of egypt moses name actually means to be drawn forth or taken out of the water is a son. Moses lived to be a hundred and twenty years old, and remember back in genesis six that 's what god said that 's going to be the lifespan of man for now, a hundred and twenty years, no more, no less. And Moses got to live those 120 years. 40 years he spent in Egypt. 40 years he spent on the run in a land called Midian. Moses had murdered an Egyptian slave master. The Hebrews knew about it. The Egyptians knew about it. And this was before the Ten Commandments even came into play. Something inside of Moses' moral conscience said that was wrong. You know you shouldn't have done it. And he knew he shouldn't have done it because he buried the Egyptian's body in the sand. So here's what I want you to know about that. No matter what your past is like, no matter what's going on, no matter what sin you've committed, if God can use someone like Moses who committed a murder to do great things, he can use you as well. It wasn't until after the end of that 40 years Moses was 80 years old now. When God came to him and said, I have a calling for your life. And then he would spend the next 40 years leading the children of Israel through the wilderness towards the promised land. So life as Moses knew it during that 40 years in the land of Midian, life was stable, dull, humdrum, He was in his routine. He was working for his father Jethro as a shepherd. Life for the Israelites, it was stable. It was not real good for the Israelites because they were slaves to the Egyptians. But nevertheless, they had everything that they needed. They were in bondage, but they were not fulfilling the purpose of God in their life. But yet life was stable for them. And life for the Egyptians was most definitely stable This was a different pharaoh than what uh, was in rule whenever Moses murdered the Egyptian. That particular pharaoh wanted to kill Moses because of his uh, crime that he had committed. But yet that pharaoh had passed away and there was a new pharaoh uh, in town. So here's the thing I want you to learn from that. There are times in your life when things are stable. Things may be dull, humdrum. Same old, same old. Maybe you're coasting into retirement. Maybe you think you've got the rest of your life planned out, and all of a sudden you have a burning bush experience. And God says, I'm not finished with you yet. Here's the thing about serving the Lord. Age is not a factor. Your age does not limit you to your ability to serve the Lord. Back after Hurricane Ida, we had a, a, a house full of disaster relief workers. Most of them were retired. Most of them were 65, 70, 75 years old. Some of them had uh, prosthetic legs, but yet they still went and did the work that God had called him to do. So there are no boundaries in your life that will hinder God from using you in any way. Here's the thing, though. Sadly, many Christians will live their entire life and never find the purpose that God has for them. They'll never explore their calling. They'll never understand it, and they'll never fulfill it, and they'll never pursue the calling that God has on their life. They'll live an entire life not fulfilling the purpose that they were placed here for. So here's the questions on the floor today. I got two questions that I want you to keep in mind as we go through this passage. Number one, when do we hear God the clearest? Think back in your life. When is the last time that I heard God's voice louder, clearer, and more plainer than any other time? I know that was bad grammar. You have to forgive me for that. But when is the last time that you plainly said, God was in this place, he spoke to me, and I now know what God is asking me to do in my life? Second question. When does God speak to us about his purpose for our lives? They seem like the same question, but they're totally different. Is there a certain place that you can go to? Is there a certain place? moment in time that you can point to and say God spoke to me here here's what he said and I'm pursuing that call and I'm being obedient to what he's asking me to do so here's some some things I want to look at in the life of Moses Exodus chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 I I want you to see this I want you to see that we hear God's voice and sense his presence best when we practice isolation isolation in today's day and time, the life that we live in, the culture that we're in, we, we want to be a part of the crowd. We are socially drawn to other people. That's why we have social media. That's why we have Facebook, Instagram, whatever you use. We, we want to be connected with people. It is so difficult these days to get into complete isolation and get alone to where the only voice that you're hearing is is the voice of the Lord. Now Moses wasn't intentionally isolating himself. He was doing his job. He was tending the sheep for his father-in-law. Let's look in verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Isolation. Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, This is a place where Moses would come to several other times. This is the place where he received the Ten Commandments. This is a place where the prophet Elijah came to. This is what we'll be looking at in the next couple of weeks. This is where prophet Elijah came to after he had his victory on Mount Carmel. This was definitely a place where God spoke to many different people. So it was no coincidence that Moses had ventured here At this particular site. The scripture says that Moses led the flock. To the back of the desert. But I think God was leading him to a specific place. So he can put his calling upon. The life of Moses. Sometimes God will use the circumstances in our life. To bring us to a place of isolation. Where he has our full attention. Have you ever been there before? Could be in a deer stand. Could be out on the lake, could be in the duck blind, could be in your quiet study, could be in a place that you don't typically go, but it could be a place that you repeatedly go to and regularly go to. You say, this is my isolation place. This is a place where I get along with the Lord. And this is the place where I know I can hear his voice because nothing else is going to disturb me. All Moses had around him was him old stinky, smelly sheep just going, baa bah, bah. Maybe some crickets in the background. Maybe a little wind rustling. But nevertheless, he was the only human being there. And God had him right where he wanted him. Getting still before the Lord. Getting into a place of isolation to hear from him is often the most difficult thing for us to do. So this is why the psalmist writes in Psalm 23 that he makes me to lie down. In green pastures. Because he knows when our attention is drawn to so many different places. He can't speak to us. He can't tell us what his plan for us is. He can't tell us what his purpose for us is. So he intentionally gets us in a place where we're by ourselves. No other human interaction going on. No other interference. No TV. No radio. No cell phone. That's hard to do isn't it these days. Most of us are completely attached to our cell phone. We can't think of spending a minute of the day without it. Sometimes that can be a big interference in hearing from the Lord. But Psalms 23 said that he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Philip Keller wrote a book called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. I highly recommend that you get a copy of this book and read it. I've read it multiple times. I refer to it many times. The quote at the bottom of your outline is a quote from that book. We have a couple of copies in our church library if you want to check one out or read it. It's called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And in it he says that uh, sheep, uh, it's almost impossible for sheep to lie down and get still. They just have this restless spirit built into them. But he said for a sheep to lie down and be still, he said there are four specific requirements that must happen for a sheep to do that. He says they must experience freedom from fear, tension, aggravation, and hunger. How many of those things cause your spirit and your soul to be restless? Restless? How many of those things must be removed for you to be able to get still and get alone and get isolated with the Lord? Is there something that you're afraid of right now? Is there something that you're aggravated about right now? Is your stomach growling because you're worried about where you're going out to eat at or the pot roast that you have back in your kitchen that's cooking? Is that what's on your mind? Is that keeping you from hearing what the Lord has to say to you through this passage and through this message today? Perhaps you got here and you were aggravated just because you're here, because this is not where you want to be right now. (laughs) I guarantee you, you're not going to hear from the Lord like that. That's why isolation is so important for us to practice. We're going to study more about that in the weeks to come as we go through this sermon series. How long has it been since God has been able to clearly speak to you? When is the last time that you intentionally isolated yourself to get quiet, get still, and get alone? And get with the Lord and say, God, speak to me. Give me a direction. Tell me where I need to go from here. Moses was on the run for 40 solid years. Are you on the run from something right now? Is there something in your past that is haunting you that you have yet to deal with? We packed up and moved from De Quincey almost three years ago now. We're just now getting stuff out from our move and unpacking and dealing with it just because we didn't want to have to deal with it. We couldn't deal with it. We didn't have time to deal with it. But now all of those boxes are haunting us because we've got to find a place to put that stuff and it's time to deal with it. If you haven't heard from the Lord lately, maybe there's something in your past that you need to get in front of you and get before the Lord and say, God, let's deal with this right now and get it out of the way. The only way that's going to happen is for you to practice isolation and really get serious about hearing the Lord's voice. The next thing that we see is that God uses extreme events in our lives for confirmation. Let's look at verses 2 through 4. Moses was on the backside of the desert, he was on Mount Horeb, the Mount of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. From the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when we talk about Scripture and when we talk about revelation coming from God, there are two different types of revelation that God uses He uses general revelation and specific revelation. General revelation, just about anybody can see that. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 talks about that. It says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. Here's the example of Jesus in his teaching ministry. Jesus would teach openly and publicly to the crowds because he wanted them to hear about God's love. That is a general revelation. Specific revelation, that is when God comes to a person one-on-one and speaks to them and tells them an important message that he wants them to relay to someone else. Scripture is a specific revelation because God used holy men and prophets, fishermen, kings, many other people from many other walks of life to write these words, but he specifically told them what to write. Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Jesus also used specific revelation. Generally, he would talk to the public. He would preach a message. He would share God's love openly and publicly. But a lot of times he had three specific people that he would draw to the side and say, Here's something that I want you to learn And this is not for everyone else. He specifically talked to Peter, James, and John on multiple occasions. Even his small group of disciples, that was a specific revelation that he was giving to them. Why is God speaking specifically to Moses at this moment? Does Moses need a clear confirmation for the calling he's about to receive? You better know he does. (laughs) Moses is right now working for his father-in-law. His only responsibility is to shepherd his father-in-law's sheep to protect them, keep them out of harm's way, and make sure they have plenty of food and water. Moses is about to go from shepherding a flock of his father-in-law's sheep to becoming a pastor of three and a half million Tired, grumpy, belly aching Hebrews for forty solid years. You think he needs confirmation on that calling? You better know he does. <laughs> Why would he leave a stable life working for his father-in-law and then go out and become the pastor of three and a half million people? That is a calling that is very, very specific. So I'm pretty sure that Moses wants to be certain that this is what God wants him to do. That's why God brought him to this remote location in isolation to give him a confirmation on what he wants him to do. Not only did God use an unusual circumstance to capture the attention of Moses, but he also called his name out twice. From that burning bush, once he captured Moses' attention, he confirmed that Moses was the one he was speaking to by saying, Moses, Moses. How many times has God called out your name? How many times did God have to repeat the message and the calling upon your life before you responded? Or right now, maybe God is still calling out your name. He's still trying to get your attention. But for Moses, God confirmed, not only with the burning bush, but from that burning bush, he called out Moses' names. So there are other things in life that get our attention. Marcia and I, when we went on our first cruise, uh, we went through the little uh, debriefing before you got started. We went to our muster station and knew where we had to go for an emergency And we also learned that there was a PA system throughout the whole boat that when an important announcement needed to come across, an emergency or whatever it was, the captain's voice would come over that loudspeaker. It didn't matter where we was at, what was going on, how good of a time we were having. When that PA system went off, everything stopped and her attention was on what the message that that captain had to say. That's the way it should be when God speaks to us. When he wants to confirm the calling on your life, everything in your life should stop and you should be tuned in to his voice. You say, God, what is it that you want to speak to me? God knows exactly what it takes to get your attention. He knew what it took to get my attention. Perhaps God is calling out your name today and this is not the first time. Perhaps he's reminding you something that he told you years ago. Could have been last week, could have been last month. But maybe there's something in your life that God is wanting you to deal with. Maybe there's a place that he wants you to go. An individual that he wants you to speak to. And right now he's reminding you, hey, you haven't done what I told you to do. But that's what God is doing for Moses right here. What does Moses do? Moses responds. But his response is a list of excuses. God, are you sure you got the right guy? Didn't I call your name out twice? Moses, Moses, look around. You're on the backside of the wilderness. I'm not talking to the sheep. I'm talking to you. He's given him a confirmation of the calling on his life. Here's the third point that I want you to see. Not only do we hear God's voice better in isolation, Not only does he use extreme events for our confirmation, but God's voice becomes increasingly clearer when we bow down in adoration. Not only did God capture Moses' attention, but when Moses found out who it was that he was dealing with, let's look and see what happened. Verse 4, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, Look at what Moses did, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. When Moses sensed that he was in God's presence, he was no longer curious. He had a godly fear that came over him. He was in a state of awe and adoration. This is the God of my forefathers is speaking to me right now. Why is he here talking to me? This is not a circumstance that I'm used to. This is not a situation that I'm familiar with. This is so unusual. But now I want to bow down. And I want to adore him. And I want to hear the message that he has. Because I am surely in the presence of Almighty God. In his book, The Power of positive praying, John Bisagno had this to say about sensing God's presence and experiencing God's presence. He says that sensing His presence is an always thing. Listening to His voice is a specific thing. Nothing but His voice. Waiting for God is waiting for Him to act. But waiting on God is waiting for Him to speak. Waiting on God is not merely an abstract passing of time. It is a spiritual exercise at the end of your prayer. When, after having spoken to God, you wait for Him to speak to you. And it isn't a loud, noisy voice. It's a deep, quiet impression on the soul. A thought, an idea, a soft whisper. And you just know It's his voice. And he goes on to quote Jesus in John 10, 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Can you imagine that? Taking care of your father-in-law's herd or flock, his, his animals. You're just wandering around minding your own business. And all of a sudden you see this unusual experience, this sight that you've never seen before. And then all of a sudden you hear a voice speaking out from among you and he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the creator of the universe. I put you here. I've orchestrated this situation. And now I have a message for you. <laughs> what are you going to do? How would you respond? What would be your reaction? Most of us would be scared to death. Because we're not used to that. Next thing I want you to see is this. Not only should we bow down in adoration. To really acknowledge God. That he has got our undivided attention. We are 100% focused on him. He has put us in isolation. He has given us a confirmation. That he's speaking to us. Now we are bowing down in adoration. And we want to know. What do you have to say to me next, the next thing that we see is this: God's calling on certain individuals uh, individuals' lives occurs when people seek the Lord in desperation. Now, was Moses seeking the Lord in desperation? No, but there were three and a half million Hebrews who had been in slavery for four centuries. They were in a pretty desperate situation. They were desperately calling out to the Lord. God, why are you calling out to me? Because there's three and a half million people praying for relief. They need an answer. They want a deliverer. They want to be saved from the bondage and oppression that they're in. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Go back to chapter 2 for just a moment before we read on in this passage. In verse 23, we see what the children of Israel were doing prior to God meeting Moses on Mount Horeb. It says, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage. And they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Somewhere, someone is praying for you. Somewhere, there's a group of people who have been praying for you. Somewhere, at some point in time, someone had been praying for me, and then God came to me and spoke to me about the calling that he had for me in my life. Was that what I was expecting at that time of my life? Absolutely not. I was in a stable situation. I was in a good place. But God poked his finger on my heart. He says, I'm just getting started with you. Was that the first time that I had call- heard that calling? Absolutely not. I heard it at a younger age. But the, for the first time in my life, I was in a place where I was tuned in to God's voice. Clearer than ever before. Now think that after 40 years of working for his father-in-law, Moses said, this is not my purpose. But going over and beyond that, all of the Hebrew people were calling. They didn't care who it was. They didn't care if it was Moses or not. They said, we need God to intervene on our behalf. God, would you please send a deliverer? And look at what the Lord said to Moses beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3. Because the people were seeking the Lord in desperation, here's what the Lord said I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Remember that verse that I read to you before we started our worship service? Jesus said, that If any two of you agree on earth as touching one thing, it shall be done in heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If any two or three of you agree of touching one thing, it shall be done. Just think of what happens when three and a half million people get together. So we need one thing. We need God to intervene. We need a deliverer. We need to get out of this bondage and oppression that we're in. And right here, God says, he heard their cry. Because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Isn't it a blessing to know that the God of this universe knows what's troubling your heart right now? He knew their sorrows. He knew that they were going through. He knew that they were not fulfilling the purpose that he had placed them on this earth for. But more than that, he remembered the covenant that he had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. So many people, as many as the stars in the sky are in multitude, and the sands by the seashore are innumerable. And these people were crying out in desperation. Michael Cat, in his book, The Power of Desperation, said this. He, he said, until we admit our need for God, that there is no good thing in us, we'll always try to figure it out on our own. Is that where you're at right now? Are you trying to figure things out on your own? Or are you not desperate enough to go to the Lord and seek his will for your life? Or you say, I can take care of this problem with my family. I can take care of this problem with my job situation. I can take care of this problem with my financial situation. You're not desperate enough to call upon the Lord yet. Michael Catt goes on to say this. He says, uh, we'll always try to figure it out on our own, but we must come to the point where we recognize that we can't get ourselves out of the holes we've dug. Like the prodigal son, we may know in our heads that the father wants what's best for us, but too often we choose the pig pen of self-sufficiency and self-will. Listen to what the writer of Psalms has to say in chapter 63. You can write this down. Go back and look at it later on. Just listen to what he has to say in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. To see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Have you reached that point of desperation in your life yet? To where you say nothing else in my life matters if I'm separated from your loving kindness. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. And I will lift up my hands to your holy name. Doesn't that sound like someone who is desperate to hear from the Lord? Doesn't that sound like someone who desperately wants to be connected with the Lord in a way that they never have before? Is that a prayer that you could pray right now? God, I long for you. I thirst for you. My flesh longs for a relationship with you. Church, what is it going to take for us to get that desperate. How much further does our country have to slip before we say, God, we need you. We need you to intervene on our behalf. We are still one nation under God, and we need your hand upon us right now. Are we desperately crying out To the Lord on behalf of our nation. Next thing I want you to see, point number five, is that when we doubt our abilities, God always provides the necessary affirmation. Look, if you think that you've got some stuff in your life that you need to clean up before God will speak to you and before God will use you, you're wrong. That's just an excuse. If you think that it is your inabilities that's keeping you from being used by God, you don't know the God that I know. When we doubt our abilities, God provides the necessary affirmation. Moses is in isolation He's acknowledged the Lord. He's bowed down in adoration. God has given him a confirmation. Three and a half million Israelites were crying out in desperation. Now what does Moses do? (laughs) He says, I'm not the man. You got the wrong person, just like most of us do. Just like I did for over 20 years. But God will affirm to you that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how gifted, how talented, no matter what you think you might like, God's going to affirm, I will work through you to accomplish the purpose that I have for you. Look at verses 11 through 12. God goes on to tell Moses about what all is taking place back in Israel since he left. He gives him the instructions that I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, you're going to be my spokesperson. You're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go? In verse 11, we pick up again. It says, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? We're always going to feel incapable of doing what God has asked us to do. We're always going to have those feelings of inadequacy. And we're always going to come to God with excuses. But God, I only got a high school education. That's my excuse. God, I don't like to speak in front of people. You know what Moses says? Moses says, "My, my mouth is slow to speak. Moses had a speech impediment. He said, surely I'm not the man you're looking for. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? here's what God does God takes all of your excuses and he moves them out of the way because he says it's not your strength that I want it's your obedience that I want look at what God tells Moses so he said I will certainly be with you how about that for affirmation that's what God tells you as well That's what God tells me as well. He says, you don't worry about it. You don't worry about the bills. Don't worry about the house. Don't worry about the car. That's why I drive two Fords. Bless you if you drive a Chevrolet. I'm sorry. But God will tell you, it's not what you can do. It's what I can do through you. Where God guides, God provides. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. And if you will just say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's going to be the best answer you can give him. Instead of a list of excuses, instead of a list of stipulations, just say yes. God says, I will certainly be with you. You. How assuring is that to know that God wants to be with us no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what feelings of inadequacy we have. He says, not only will I be with you, but here's a sign. This shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on earth. This mountain. Like I said. God's going to bring you back to that place. Time and time again. To where he can speak to you. More clearly than ever before. And he didn't say. If you bring my people out of Egypt. Look at how he worded that. When you have brought. The people out of Egypt. How much confidence do you think Moses had after that? How much confidence will you have? What is God saying to you right now? What has God done in your life to prove to you that not only He can, but He will prepare you and guide you and strengthen you and equip you for the calling on your life? Hearing God's calling on your life, that still small voice, could there be anything More peaceful than knowing I'm right where God wants me to be. Not only that, but God has said he will certainly be with me. And he will guide me through those situations that I can't get through on my own. Not only that, but he will forget about my past. And he will help me to focus on the future. What is God saying to you in this moment? What is God calling you to do with your life? Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never heard the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. If you've never heard the voice of God, if you're not familiar with it, if he's never called your name out, perhaps you're not one of his sheep yet. This morning we learned uh, three different parables of something that was lost. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. They all came out of Luke chapter 15. The parable of the lost sheep. There's one sheep that was strayed away from the flock. And Jesus said that they left the 99 and went after the one to rescue it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Perhaps you're not one of God's sheep yet. Perhaps you're not a child of God. Perhaps you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You're not born again. Let me just say this. God sent His only Son in this world to die for you. And right now, He's speaking to your heart. And He wants you to become one of His children. The only issue is is there's a sin that stands in your way. There's a sin nature that each and every one of us have that separates us from the God that loves us. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that sin comes with the payment. The wages of sin is death, a spiritual separation from God in a place called hell. That's the bad news. The good news is is that God made a provision to correct that. The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he's presenting that gift to you to receive. A gift doesn't belong to you until you reach out and you accept it. So the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. You'll be saved from the penalty of sin. You won't. Any longer have to worry about the curse of sin having power over your life. Now, that sin nature will still be there. The ability to sin will still be there. But when Jesus died on the cross, he said, It's finished. I've paid the sin debt, I've made a way for mankind to come to God. The Bible says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And just like we learned in our parables this morning, each and every one of them said when that lost object was restored and found, that God rejoiced and all of heaven rejoiced. Jesus says that when one sinner repents, that there's joy in the presence of the angels of heaven. Won't you let that be you today? God is speaking to you right now, in just a moment, as soon as this music begins, I encourage you to make your way out of that pew you're in. Come down this aisle and talk to me about it. Say, Brother Tracy, I, I want to start a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to know for sure that when I die, that heaven will be my home. And I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That'll be the best yes you can ever say in your life. It'll be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your grace for us. I thank you, Lord God, for the calling that you place upon our lives. And I thank you, Lord God, that somewhere In this congregation, you're speaking to someone right now about stepping out in faith. Lord, you're calling their name at this moment. And you're tugging at their heart. And you're wanting to be a part of their life. And you're wanting to set them free from the things that are holding them bondage and captive right now. Lord, your word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I believe that there is a liberty in this place for people to respond to the calling that you placed upon their lives. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir hearts right now and move people in the direction you want them to go. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.